You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. This episode is powered by Invest Ottawa. This is Naomi here, and in celebration of International Women's Week, I've teamed up with the Invest Ottawa team to bring to you this podcast series that highlights leading women in Ottawa. This is the second episode. What's going on around the world? Because I really believe that having a global perspective, and that's where my strength is, having a really global perspective really helps understand where the tailwinds are in, in investing in the sectors. Like, for example, I'm really interested in energy policy and clean tech. So having a a deep understanding of this sector and where the tailwinds are helps me make better decisions when I'm making an investment decision into into a company. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Power of Why. My name is Naomi Hailey. Today, I am sitting with the incredible Sandra Ng. Sandra, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks, Naomi. Thanks so much for being here. I am going to provide a little bit more context to the audience, a little bit about your story and what you're working on right now. So Sandra is passionate about addressing systemic inequities and getting women and underrepresented people to the decision-making table, specifically in the venture capital space. She is a founding investor and champion in SheBoot, a collaboration of Invest Ottawa and the Capital Angel Network, which is a six-week bootcamp that prepares founders to pitch for about 150,000 in investment. In her learning journey to make a difference in the startup ecosystem, Sandra became an investor with the Capital Angel Network, completed the Venture Capital University online course with startup at Berkeley Law School and became a limited partner in the 51 Venture Fund, which we will definitely be talking about today. Sandra draws business insights from 20 years working in international development in 18 countries. And personally, she has been investing in public equities for 25 years in Asia and North America. Her global perspective and expertise in performance evaluation transfers well into the angel investing space. And Sandra describes that a deep dive into a startup is about, you know, a systemic way of assessing the team and the business model. So she invests in innovative companies that have potential for superior return and have a positive environmental and social impact. And within her community, Sandra serves on the board of the Community Laundry Co-op and is an avid tennis player. So Sandra, thank you so much for being here on this special series that we're doing with Invest Ottawa. I'm really happy to have you here. So if you want to share a little bit more about what you're working on right now, maybe a little bit about your origin story as well, that would be great to kick it off. Yeah, thanks, Naomi. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, I like to start with the now. I'm in the... um ecosystem, the startup ecosystem, and it's exactly where I want to be engaged in this very, very active ecosystem within Ottawa. I'm investing and deepening my understanding of the angel investing in venture capital space so that I can be effective in getting more venture capital to women because 2.3% of venture capital money going towards women isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. And so far, I've been doing this for 1.3 years, uh, and I've had a very zigzag route here, which yeah. involved everything from participating in the first startup weekend in Singapore, and that was in 2012, to working on microfinance programs in South Asia, economic development projects in Latin America and Africa, and 
I had a couple of stints at public policy schools in universities in the U.S. and Singapore. And of course, time off being a mom, which was really a much harder job than anything that was paid. It's been a very public, good-oriented career. Mm -hmm. I think my early experiences with discrimination always made me feel that the world was unjust and I needed to better it. Mm -hmm. So as a young person growing up, what, and I don't want to get deep into what those experiences were like, because that could be an episode in and of itself, but what were some of those early thoughts that you had around maybe feeling like an other in certain spaces? And when you were thinking about what you wanted to do in your career, in your work, in your life, what were some of those initial thoughts of what that could look like and how you could personally make a, make a difference? Yeah, that's a long time ago. Well, um, what I can say is I grew up in Victoria, BC, on the west coast of Canada. And during that time, which has been the 80s and 90s, um, it was more acceptable, I think, for people to make comments that were maybe just openly discriminatory. And it was, it was a little bit more acceptable, I believe. So as a teenager, I just felt like, you know, I'm going to make my career, you know, doing work that the United Nations does because they mm-hmm. do good for the world. And that's what I want to do. And so at a very young age, I knew this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Because as I said, I, I just felt like the United Nations as an organization did good for the world. So that was the type of work I wanted to do. I, of course, I never did work at the UN. I had an opportunity to work in Kyrgyzstan with the UN, but um, uh, love took me away from that. And so 18 different countries, you went to graduate school at the London School of Economics. And then shortly after you kind of entered this space. And so when you talk about, you know, microfinancing projects and projects related to economic development in different countries, can you tell us a little bit about what those experiences were like and how that kind of, you know, informs your work now in the investing space? Yeah, microfinance is at a much, much smaller scale than angel investing in venture capital. I guess you can compare it as a community. You're talking much smaller dollars amounts uh, versus the venture and angel space, which is that, you know, you add, you know, three, four zeros onto that, right? Mm-hmm. So I've worked both at the community and the policy levels in international development. Um, and regardless of what country I was working in, one of the most consistent truths is that uh, when women have access to finance, to credit and markets, they are likely to expand their businesses and contribute to better economic, social, and environmental outcomes for, for the family, for the community, and the country. So it is a, just a widely accepted fact that you know, connection between women and economic growth is extreme, extraordinarily powerful. It's, a, it's just an, a powerful connection of the two. And I saw that in the countries I worked in, as I say, from microfinance projects all the way in South Asia, where, you know, BRAC as an organization started in Bangladesh to, you know, programs in Latin America. Women and economic growth make things happen. So how can there be true sustainable development if half the world's talent pool is underrepresented, whether it's is at the community level or at the global level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that kind of leads us 
I know with the work that you're doing with the 51 Venture Fund, even when you go onto the website, that's like one of the biggest, you know, things that are outlined around women make up more than 50% of the global population. And in these spaces, you know, those numbers are not at all reflected when we're talking about venture capital, when we're talking about investing in general. And so what was the impetus for you in joining, because you've mentioned that you've been in this space now for 1.3 years in the Ottawa um, startup ecosystem. So what was the impetus for you to join and how has that experience been like over the past year? Yeah, so I, I guess I can talk about uh, Sheepboot and the 51. The 51, let yeah. me just, I guess, clarify that um, I'm, I'm not actively involved in running the 51 that's run by three four five six brilliant brilliant women out of calgary and i am a limited partner in the 51 venture fund which means i have invested money in the fund because i believe in the work that they're doing now the 51 is a platform representing as you clearly stated 51 percent of the population in canada it's a canadian financial feminist platform a venture fund and it was founded in 2019 and it is a 10,000 women strong of investors entrepreneurs and those aspiring to be financial feminists and it's activated 50 million dollars in uh, private yeah. capital and 90 percent of the 51 venture fund investors are women which is really unique in Canada so um I'm at one of those limited partners and everybody should check out the 51.com to find out what uh, Judy and Shelly and her and their team are doing. It's, uh, it's an amazing movement that they're creating within Canada. Where I'm much more actively involved is within the Ottawa ecosystem. And that is with a Sheboot. And as you already highlighted, Naomi, Sheboot is a collaboration of the Capital Angel Network and Invest Ottawa mm -hmm. with three women uh, leading it, Sonia, Julia and Jennifer out of Ottawa. And there are many, many programs and accelerators within the angel investing and venture space that are offering, you know, five thousand or ten thousand dollar prizes and and great connections to mentor. But where the sheepboot is really amazing is that the prize actually is a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, we are offering a six week boot camp of really high quality programming, everything from business coaching to specialized mentorship to master classes and everything from pitching to marketing. And as a package, it's a really, really important way to catalyze growth and success of women-led startups within the Ottawa region. And I'm just super, super excited to be involved in this yeah, so you mentioned Sheboot, and this is a fairly, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a fairly new initiative that was, or collaboration between Invest Ottawa and the Capital Angel Network. And I remember when, in our earlier conversations, you talked about, you know, attending a workshop at Invest Ottawa, and that kind of connected you with someone, which led to other opportunities. So can you, I would love for you to share that story of what that first workshop was and how that opened the floodgates to you getting involved deeper into the, into this ecosystem here in Ottawa. Yeah, Sheboot had its first uh, cohort in 2020. We launched it all online. 
because of COVID. So season two is in 2021 and that's coming up. I believe applications are opening up in March. So check out the website, everybody. Yes, Mm -hmm. it's a brand new initiative. And I got involved in all of this in 2019. So it's really quite new. I signed up for an Angel Investing 101 event at Invest Ottawa in 2019. And I met Jennifer Francis, who is the chair of the Capital Angel Network, who was giving the main presentation. So at the end of the event, I knew that this was a community I wanted to be a part of. And being an equities investor for many years, I understood the risks and had capital to allocate. So I joined the Capital Angel Network, and I made my first investment four months later into an Ottawa company with a female founder. And that's the start. I just think Invest Ottawa is amazing in terms of the diversity of workshops that they offer. And it was through that portal that I got involved into this whole ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. And you, I think it would be really valuable for you also to speak about because my audience is between like 23 around 35. What have you learned about the startup? We keep using the word ecosystem, but it really is that and about investing and for people, for folks who are you know, working on a business idea right now or looking to grow their own companies, um, what are some of the things that you've, you've learned along the way? Yeah, so many learnings. And I'm still on a learning journey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much I do not know. I mean, that's why I went to, Cap- went to Capital University. And that's why I am involved in all these initiatives. Because you know, the, the venture space is unique that it's, and the, even the angel investing space, it's still fairly male dominated, right? So I, just a couple of just general life lessons for me. So I'll start there as, you know, the top of the funnel. It's just that always hang out with people who champion you because it's so much more fun and productive. So I, I just, I'm having so much fun and being so much more productive because I am circling myself with women who are interested in moving the needle on the amount of investments going towards women founders. And secondly, reframe everything as a learning experience. It helps in developing grit. That is so important because, you know, in the angel investing space that I'm in right now, um, you, I spent a lot of time in meetings where it's predominantly very, very smart, experienced male, former entrepreneurs, current investors. And if you don't frame everything as a learning experience and develop grit in this space, you can really feel intimidated. Mm. Yeah, I, I love the idea of reframing, even, you know, as you are building something or in rooms where people you know, I'll just speak from my experience where people do have more experience than you. If you don't frame it as a learning experience, it could kind of dissuade you from being involved in in rooms and environments like that. But there is so much to be said about your network and just being around people who are interested in the same things as you and want to keep learning and growing. What would you say has been like the best investment and not necessarily investment in a, in a company, but 
whether it's time investment or opportunities that you decided to really leverage and go into, what would you say as maybe the top one or two over the past couple of years have been? Uh, Investing in learning in myself, I guess, and investing in reaching out and networking, that's investing time in reaching out and networking with like-minded individuals. That's really powerful because I'm a strong believer in building bridges. So you you have to invest time and energy in building those bridges. You, You have to reach out. And I know it's been a really, really difficult year for many people this year. And COVID has brought all of us online onto Zoom. And in fact, one of the unique positives that come out of this is allowing me for example, to join the 51 platform and to become an investor in the 51. Uh, they're out of Calgary. So if, I, if our lives were not so much on Zoom, I probably wouldn't be as well connected with the 51 and the women of the 51. Uh, their meetings are now virtual. We have regular uh, investment meetings, which I can participate in. So that's, that's been a really interesting experience for me this year and so invest in time invest in building bridges investing in networks that's great and you did mention earlier the startup at berkeley law school um, course that you took what exactly were you hoping to was this a over a year and a half ago like what exactly were you hoping to learn from that was it also a way to put yourself in an, an environment where you could meet those people to build connections what was the decision making around um, that course specifically? Yeah, I felt that in order to become a person who could support local founders within the Ottawa ecosystem, I needed to have a good understanding of what mm-hmm. that venture capital space was. Because I have never started a company, raised money for a company, or sold a company. So I have not. Uh, participated myself in that space. So I wanted to get educated to find out what inside of venture capital was. It's a very opaque industry. And, mm-hmm. you know, you read a lot about it online, but the, the reality is, you know, these, all the numbers are private. I mean, nobody has to share any information, right? Because it's all private information. So I wanted to get a deeper dive into what venture capital was so that I can be smart about it. When I am say, ad- advising or working with a, a company, a female founder who's interested in going for venture capital funding, I wanted to be able to share my knowledge and say, hey, you know, this is what it's about. This is what I've learned. The marketing, the cap tables, the, the liquidation preferences. There are so many intricacies, you know, how, mm-hmm. you know, how do you properly structure a capitalization table? What is dilution and how are equity claims reduced each time a company issues stock? You know, Mm. what are term sheets? You know, what is a liquidation preference? And, you know, how do you negotiate that? You know, there are so many um, very, very sophisticated instruments within the space. And that's why I went to Venture Capital University. (laughs) (laughs) Understood. Understood. Yeah. And I think in order to mentor in that way, how much you've spoken already about investing in yourself and how this is a continuous, like we're not getting to a destination in terms of learning, right? And so 
being intentional about what your learning practices are and like really carving out time to think and be creative. And I'm really curious about what are some of your higher signal sources around information that you are really paying attention? Are you, do you have people that you're, that have newsletters, for example, that share what's going on in the industry? What's your way of keeping plugged in to data and, and just learning? I'm wondering what your practices are around that. Right. Well, I can tell you there's different levels, right? There's the mm-hmm. typical daily generic information. I, I read the New York Times. I follow Bloomberg. So I have these apps on my iPad. So on a regular basis, I don't read everything, but I've got, you know, filters that direct me to what's going on around the world because I really believe that having a global perspective, and that's where my strength yeah. is, having a really global perspective really helps understand where the tailwinds are in, in investing in the sectors. Like, for example, I'm really interested in energy policy and clean tech. So having a, a deep understanding of this sector and where the tailwinds are helps me make better decisions when I'm making an investment decision into a, into a company. More in the venture space, and I guess the angel investing space, is that I've been reading books, and I can recommend that if you want to gain a lot of knowledge in this space, Brad Feld is a, a really good author to uh, read. He, um, he's written a couple of books. One is about startup communities and how you can uh, shape them in your, in your community. And I, and I read that as my first book because I wanted mm-hmm. to help shape the, uh, the Ottawa space. And the other one is about you know, venture capital. Be smarter than your venture capitalist and your lawyer, which is <laughs> designed for <laughs> designed for people raising money. Basically, yeah. you know, you want to know when you're not getting a good deal. So, yeah. Mm. Um, so, I I highly recommend that book as well. Interesting. You briefly mentioned your advantage as an angel investor, and that was something that I was curious about as well, because I think you bring a very unique perspective. Just with all of the experiences that come before you sort of entered into this space, how have you thought about, you know, almost your unfair advantage when it comes to investing and, and really advising female founders? Oh, I, I don't think there's any advantage. <laughs> In fact, yeah, I'm probably at a disadvantage because I have not um, sold a company myself. This past year, there has, you know, part of the learning again has been sitting in rooms with much more experienced angel investors that have been in this space for decades. There are people who have been doing this for decades and they have very, very strategic questions to ask. I'm learning a lot of the lingo, the more strategic questions from the business perspective. I think one of my really strong expertise is I'm really good at research. I research absolutely Mm -hmm. everything and I have a global perspective and coming from a uh, you know, impact assessment, evaluation, performance evaluation background. Yeah. I'm really good at evaluating things. My mind, I like, I have a Cartesian mind. You know, I think in those ways, you know, I put things in boxes, I evaluate them. So that yeah. is really where my advantage is that I'm good at research and I can good at evaluate companies and I learn and where I don't have expertise, I rely on the expertise of other angels. And that's where the Capital Angel Network is really amazing. It is about 40 to 50 investors where 
there are people from all different sectors. And in a situation where we have a company pitching to us and we're doing a deep dive to determine whether we individual investors want to invest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people focusing on sort of what they do best and learning from the other folks in the room. I didn't realize that there are about 50 other investors in, in the network. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so the Capital Angel Network, giving you 2020 figures, because the 2021 figures haven't come in yet, right. we had about 20, uh, 50 investors, of which 10 out of the 50 were women. So 20% of CAN members were women. And then in total, the CAN members invested uh, just over $4 million into the startup ecosystem in 2020. And um, 17% of direct investments went to female founders. So these are these are good numbers if you think about that in the global vc scale you know women are getting 2.3 percent of venture capital funding it's crazy and yeah yeah, and you know if you look at it in canada in 2019 uh, female funders show that you know only 13 percent of partners at canadian venture firms were women and only about nine percent we're managing partners. So if you look at it from a funnel perspective, these are small, small numbers. And as of 51 says, you know, women are 51% of the population. Well, this is Statistics Canada. How, how can we not be participating at 51%? And how can we not be getting funded at 51%? Yeah, there are so many structural <laughs> issues here. And I mean, even, you know, with the introduction that I provided for you around some of those inequities, I mean, they're very real. And unless there is an intentional effort to raise these numbers and address what equity looks like in terms of process and decision making, then the numbers will stay the same. Right. And so even that two, I I think you mentioned two point, was it 2.5% of venture capital funding is going to women led companies. I mean, Around that range, I think it's about 4% are going that priority group of people of color, founders as well. Like it's still very low. It's still under 5%. Absolutely. Uh, the, the figures for the, uh, getting funded if you're a woman of color is even a Lower. fraction of that 2.3%. You're right. Absolutely right. Now, Naomi, I, um, I've been thinking deeply about these issues. Mm-hmm. And I just want to suggest uh, an additional strategy publicly because millions of dollars of women's capital are actually already invested as limited partners in venture funds. And let me give an example of that, okay? So the Ontario Teachers Pension Fund has $204 billion in net assets. That's a lot of money, okay? And that's mm-hmm. just for Ontario teachers. It is a it has a large private equity and venture capital portfolio. And that's all on their website because it's public information. Yes. And according to the Ontario Ministry of Education, 82% of elementary school teachers and 57% of secondary teachers are female. Okay. And there are a lot of elementary school teachers in Ontario. So given that the billions of dollars in female powered pension funds exist, you know, why are women entrepreneurs still struggling for venture funding? I mean, where is the right place to start a conversation about this paradox? But who are the managers in this space, right? I mean, the people who are employing the capital 
I mean, they, I don't think it's rocket science. You invest in people who look like you just in terms of what we're seeing in the U.S. There are almost these personas around what a successful entrepreneur looks like. And if it doesn't fit in this mold of a young, you know, white male, then it probably won't work. And I hear a lot of rhetoric around there's a pipeline issue. You know, there's not enough people of color or women to invest in. And there's a really um, interesting VC firm out in New York called Harlem Capital. And he was interviewed on CNBC recently. And he, he got that question of, is this, a ta- is this really a talent pipeline issue? And he says, no, we've seen so much deal flow come in. And we have more than we could even invest in, you know, in terms of women-led and people of color-led companies. I think we need to, I think we need to do better. There's, there's great opportunity in this space. And so I'm, yeah, Naomi, you, you, that? you are spot on. I think you are spot on the, you know, women in VC, which is a global organization out in New York says that at the venture level, there's an upstream problem where there's, um, mm. you know, 5.6 percent of U.S. VC firms are led by female general partners, and only 33 percent of this 5.6 percent are women of color. So, I mean, you are just spot on this. And what's really interesting here is, so here we have a situation where there's pipeline is not a problem. And what I was saying that, in fact, there's a lot of women's capital in the system, billions of dollars of women's capital. Mm-hmm. In, in the in the form of pension funds. So the solution is that, you know, you get more women making venture capital decisions, mm-hmm. but perhaps you have more women whose capital is already being invested saying there's a, you know, the activist funds that uh, pressure public equities markets. I can't see why there wouldn't be something similar <laughs> for, uh, for venture capital. I mean, I'd like to see that. I don't know if that's possible. Maybe that's you know, 20 years down the road. But uh, I, I think there's just, there are women, there are pipelines, there's money in the system. So yeah. let's just get more women making decisions. Yeah. Um, this space is so interesting. And I think it, like this issue of inequity bleeds into so many avenues, right? And so I'm really happy that you're in this space and you are in decision-making rooms and, you are, you know, speaking on these topics because we need more people like you, Sandra, in this space. And I'm curious, like, what would you say to the 24, 25-year-old who is interested in getting into the startup ecosystem, whether that's investing in, I don't even know if I want to say investing in companies, starting their own company, whatever it is, just learning more about this form of wealth building. What would you recommend to that to that young person? Yeah, well, I, I guess I can take that question from two angles. One is that I'm not advocating that one just jump into angel investing without some really serious thoughtful consideration because it's a really high risk asset class right. and that an investor can lose all or a substantial portion of her investment. So if you're 24, 25 and one to actually buy a car, buy a house, um, you really have to, uh, you really have to think seriously about this space. And obviously, you have to be an an accredited investor, which right. the yes. government of Canada has about twenty different ways you can qualify. So, I just want to clarify that. So, from an investing perspective, if you believe you have the risk 
profile and you are able to participate as an accredited investor in this asset class, then, you know, go for it. Join the Capital Angel Network, you know, get involved in the ecosystem. Now, for those listeners who are maybe interested in, you know, starting their own company and um, using that as their way to create wealth, you know, over the past um, year, I've heard about maybe 50 pitches from startups. So if you're an entrepreneur thinking about raising money and you have a minimally viable product, Mm -hmm. um, I can share, you know, three things that really capture investors' attentions in a pitch deck. Yes, Um, absolutely. Yeah. So a passionate founder with integrity and grit. And if you have a team, a team that's dynamic and functional. That, that really attracts people's interest. Secondly, obviously, an innovative product that is better, faster, and maybe cheaper. And I would say a really solid understanding of your main competitors, as well as the overall market size, so that you can differentiate yourself. Mm-hmm. Because there are many, many ideas out there. And in today's society, you usually aren't the only one. <laughs> so you have to find a way to really differentiate yourself. It's, it's really interesting uh, around that last point that you mentioned, because um, I, I absolutely love watching pitches. And when I hear founders say that we don't have any competitors, I think it's really <laughs> interesting because even, for example, the founder, I think it was the founder of Netflix who said that sleep is our competitor right? When it comes to consuming, <laughs> when it comes to consuming film and television shows, when, when you hear people speak that we don't have any competitors in the space, what does that signal or flag to you as an investor? That they haven't done their homework. And the first thing mm-hmm. the angel investor is doing is Googling right yes. behind while they're doing the pitch. <laughs> because if you're doing it online, you know, we're all on Zoom, so we can just Google it super quick. And if you're in person, we have our phones with us, so you're just Googling it on your phone. Not once has there been no competitor. So it's just, it's sloppy and lazy. And Sandra, as someone who does so much research and you consume a lot of content and, and numbers in this space, I can imagine your reaction when you hear that. <laughs> It makes me laugh, but... Um... Well, it's, just, it's the reaction of most of the right. Uh, angels, right? Because um, the, the space is full of very, very smart people. So, mm-hmm. and many of them probably have worked in the industry, so... Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just, just, you know, just do the homework because mm-hmm. it's always good to be prepared, right? Like the, there's luck, but luck can happen when you're prepared to take advantage of it too, right? Yeah, I think there was a famous quote that says, you know, luck favors the prepared mind. Yeah. And I think when you are prepared, over-prepared, more of these opportunities, when you'll be ready for them, right? Instead of having to get ready when things come up on your, on your radar, if you stay ready, then you're in a better position to leverage some of these opportunities that could be kind of gone in a second, you know? And so um, I totally hear where you're coming from. I'm curious, I'm curious, Sandra, before we wrap up the episode, can you talk a little bit about what, how, and if mentorship has played a role in your, in your own life and career? Yes. Uh, 
super important. When I was starting out in my mid-20s, I had people who were just super supportive of me in general as a person who gave me opportunities, who introduced me to people, who gave me exceptional references. And I've been really lucky that way. And I can tell you that, you know, a majority were men. So I just want to say that while I right now I'm working in a space where I'm trying to really get more money towards women, I believe that it's important to get men and women involved in supporting this space. Just because I'm working towards better, bettering females' uh, percentages in venture funding doesn't mean that I can't work with men who are supportive of women. And I've had that personally right. in my life. I agree. And one thing, yeah, one thing I did learn um, from my mentors and one message I would want to pass on is that you have to be bold and don't be intimidated. Very early on in my career, I worked with Mike Harcourt, who was the former premier of British Columbia. And I remember talking to him about an article I was reading in the newspaper. And I said, I totally disagree with this. Like, they're not doing this right, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, and he, he just said, well, be bold and write in and right. tell them you disagree and tell them why. And that hadn't crossed my mind. It was a really important lesson. You know, be bold and don't be intimidated. Your your voice counts. Your perspectives count. Beautiful. That is such a powerful way to close this conversation. And I just want to thank you, Sandra, for coming onto the show, sharing your experiences and everything that you're sort of focused on right now, because this is such important work. And I think even in you talking about, we didn't really touch on this in the episode, but even you talking about the importance of sustainability, clean energy, and just understanding, you know, how can we impact our community, our society, or the world at large? And so um, I just want to thank you, first of all, for, for coming on and sharing a little bit more about your experiences. Naomi, it's my pleasure. Um, and I really enjoy listening. As you know, I've listened to your podcast before. I'm uh, this podcast. It's it, it really powerful messaging that you share with your audience. Thank you. And thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of The Power of Why. You've heard from Sandra Ng, who is an angel investor. She's avid in the Ottawa startup ecosystem. So if you want to connect with Sandra, I'll have the link to her LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And feel free to send her a note and be bold. <laughs> Maybe figure out ways to get involved in, in your own community. And we look forward to you listening to next week's episode. You can find the show notes at www.naomihiley.com. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to The Power of Why on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was powered by Invest Ottawa and their 2021 International Women's Week initiative. To learn more about the week and how you can get involved, visit www.investottawa.ca forward slash IWW.